0: So one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about was a few weeks ago on the podcast, I sat here and I told you that what I really want is a job where I only have to work nine to five. And I bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. It seems great, but my husband totally called me out on this. He pointed out that I have had jobs where I've only had to work nine to five and I have quit them all. Really? Yes. (laughs) And so it just got me thinking, you know, as I go on this journey and I... I try to get my mental, like my head space aligned for what I want to do in the future. I really don't want to go back to a corporate job. I think about this side project thing that I'm doing as something that like I'm trying. And if it doesn't work out, I'll go back to a regular job, but I don't want to do that like ever. So I think that's just an important like mental space for me to be in. Like, this is what I want to do. I want to build a business. And so, you know what, this might be a huge failure, but that doesn't mean I'm going to give up. And I'm fortunate in that I can consult to like fill in the gaps until I get there. Um, so I follow this VC on Twitter. Her name is Elizabeth Yin. And she had this great Twitter thread about marketing and, you know, starting a business. And one of the things she talked about is like, if you're an entrepreneur, that that is a career. And some people, you know, you can get five to 10 chances to get it right. And sometimes you can be brilliant and get it wrong. And sometimes you can be not so great and get it right. So you just have to keep trying. But for me, that's a total mental shift of how I think about this process. Like instead of thinking of this as a thing I do in my free time that might work out, I'm changing my mindset to like, this is the thing I want to do. And right now I can't afford it to do more than I can't afford to do it more than in my air quotes, free time. But long term, like this is the path I want to be on. So I just wanted to share that because I thought that was like important to, you know, as we go through this process.
1: Do I remember pre pandemic, you were working on your consulting Monday to Thursday, and then you were devoting Fridays to side projects, getting your own business going. And so it was like like an 80/20 split between consulting and I'm curious has that shift? I mean shifted in the last couple of months since you you really started focusing on your in- image management service. Yes, it really has. I think um, one of the things, you know, almost
0: all developers will say is like software is harder than everyone thinks it is. And it's just like all of these things you have to do and you have to do. So I would say I've almost shifted that balance. I'm doing 80% A file uploader in 20% consulting, maybe, you know, probably something like that, maybe two days a week I'm doing consulting. Um, but I really, the thing is, I think it's important to remember, like, I really enjoy it. Like I really like this side project. I'm really having a good time and I'm really learning a lot. And so, um, yeah, it's just, I've just been giving it a lot of time. Um, and I feel like, you know, that's something if I'm going to try it, I'm going to try it. So that's what I'm doing.
1: Something i hear in your voice is, is how excited you are about what you're working on and when you mention your conversation with your husband about the times you had a 9 to 5 job and how much you hated them it sounds like there was no passion there and so yes the hours are important but it it sounds like something you value is being challenged and it sounds like you weren't getting any of that challenge or excitement or newness in those nine-to-five jobs, or even really the responsibility, maybe that that comes with running your own project. Which you know, we all know, large corporations—it's a, it's a hard thing to find.
0: <laughs> yeah, I totally agree, and it it really hit home for me that what I really want is—I mean, if I had to pick between being bored and being stressed, but like being challenged, I would pick stressed and challenged. I mean, for me, that's, that's just who I am. That's what I want. I can relatively, I don't want to say easily, but like relatively, you know, painlessly get a job. And that's just not what I want, at least for now, at least, you know, for the, as, as I see it for the next couple of years, I have time, right? There's all this internet, Propaganda that makes it seem like if you don't have, you don't start a business and you're not successful in a year, it's never going to work for you. And like, I have time, you know, I can just keep, keep
1: working on it till something works. I think that's really an advantage is having time and being able to be patient. And, and I, I saw that Twitter thread you mentioned as well. And, you know, what struck out to me from that is that your first business may not be your uh your business for the long haul, right? And and you know, I was actually just writing about this, how we snowballed uh a small mobile app into Geocodeo and basically funded it with that. That mobile app made 20 cents its first month. Wow. <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> impressive, right? And if we had been set on Quitting our full time jobs as soon as possible, we would not have had the patience to go through basically the year and a half it took to get that app going, that app making enough revenue that it then we were exposed to the problems that led us to creating Geocodio. And then that app funded Geocodio, and then eventually that app surpassed Geocodio. But if we had been impatient, that would not have happened but at the same time you know sort of to what you said we were excited by it yeah it was thrilling in a way that we weren't really getting from the rest of our work and that excitement was enough to carry us through even when the revenue maybe wasn't um there yeah so Last week, we talked about me
0: making this software available off of Heroku, because Heroku is going to make me wait till I have 100 users um, before I can start charging for it. So remember, you, you told me I need to figure out if anyone's going to actually pay for it, which is great yeah. advice, great advice. So I actually sat down, so last week I kind of like talked in generalities about pricing, but I actually like sat down and tried to figure out how much to charge, and I have no idea. Like, no, I can't find... (laughs) So I looked at these other competitors and there's like no consistency in their pricing. Um, So I like, I have no idea. So you have uh, two of the people we talked about are like the big image management companies and um, their first tier are $89 and $45 respectively. But there's also an add-on on the Heroku Marketplace now, the guy just resells S3 buckets. So he doesn't help you upload your files. He literally just gives you an S3 bucket and he starts at $5. So I feel like there's this huge range. I have no idea. Like, <laughs> How should I start with this?
1: You have some people you've talked to who asked you if you were planning to make this available off of Heroku. Yes. Have you asked them what they are currently paying for this, whether that's a service or simply a three or or their time? Like, have you gotten a sense of that from them? I have not
0: asked them that.
1: I think that would be a good place to start. Okay. And
0: you're just, what if they're not using anything right now that they're paying for? So
1: that can be a good thing and a red flag. Okay. It could be a good thing in the sense of, if they are only spending time on this and that time is a painful amount of time for them, like multiple hours per week, for example, and they're really willing to pay for it, that can be a good sign. But if they're not currently paying for it and they say it's they're spending time on this but it turns out that's an hour every six months, then that willingness to pay may not be there. Right.
0: Right. Well, and the cool thing I think about the foundation I've built with this is this thing can, I mean, I'm not changing anything yet. I remember what you said about features having to sit on the front porch, but what I can do with the foundation of what I built is like pretty much limitless
1: in terms of like file sharing. Yeah. Cause I think the the question for you is, you know, do you want to go on a sort of pay as you go model, which it sounds like the big competitors do, even if it's a subscription model where they're basically prepaying for a certain number of credits that then don't roll over. Um, So do you want to do a subscription model with limits or do you want to do a pay-as-you-go model? And and I think the big questions there are, what are your customers currently paying somebody Mm -hmm. else for? And then also, what is their usage look like is there any way you can model out what their usage on another a competitor or just doing it themselves would be versus like how much that would even cost you I mean of course looking at what it costs you to provide a service is a a very rudimentary way of um, developing pricing and most people would not recommend going that way more of a value-based way of pricing but I think it's helpful to at least know what that is just so you know what your floor is for providing the service. Yeah.
0: And it's interesting because as I've been thinking about this, you'd almost, and this isn't, I'm just throwing this out there. It's almost like you pay one time. I think the, to give the person the most value, like you pay one time for the software and then you're just paying a maintenance fee or something to keep your stuff in cloud storage. Um I don't know. I just don't know because ultimately I'm repackaging cloud storage in a pretty box and cloud storage is cheap. But I look at what these companies are charging for their uploaders and I'm like, wow, they're charging a lot. Um, so that's all really good business advice you just gave me. But can I just like throw a price tag on it to try it? I mean, that's kind of what I sure. was thinking. And then yeah. and then see if anyone uses it. And um, from there, I will just kind of see what happens and adjust
1: accordingly. Have you looked around on like Reddit and Twitter and other places for people complaining about your competitors and see if they have any complaints about the pricing of them? So I have done that, but
0: I haven't looked specifically when I first started building this, I looked specifically for complaints about the service, but I did have not looked for complaints about the pricing structure. So that's that's a great idea. I like the idea of not going pay-as-you-go. I like the idea of a fixed rate because I think one of the, the frustrations with Amazon is you never know how
1: much your bill is going to be. You can also do that more transparently than Amazon.
0: That's true. That's true.
1: Um, like we have a pay-as-you-go model and people who don't have a lot of usage really like that because they only want to pay for exactly what they use and they don't want to feel like they're leaving money on the table by paying for up to 300 credits when they only use 257. Yeah. Okay. So, and if you find on Reddit, for example, people talking about using these services and what they're paying for them, I would encourage you to reach out to those people and say okay. what would you prefer instead?
0: Yeah. And I, I think this is a good this is a good this is a good circle back to trying to find people again. Like, I know I did this in the beginning, which, gosh, we've had this podcast for, what, 16 weeks now? So something like that. So quite a while ago. Um, But this is a good time to circle back, I think. And I also, I really think, I still really think my space is going to be, might be in, like, the no-code space because it feels like there are not, there's not a lot of options in that space. So I will look for those people. I'll look for people using Webflow, see what they're doing now. I'll look for anyone using Upload Care or Cloudinary or any of these other services now and kind of see see what they're saying
1: sounds like a plan
0: awesome so in addition to this trying to get um trying to actually get this available off heroku and having to figure out pricing i have continued to read uh, the book we've been working through which is story brand which is about for those just joining us story brand is basically a marketing book it's about clarifying your marketing message so customers will buy your stuff um and I'm on chapter seven, and I, I have theoretically <laughs> established myself as the guide, the customer is the hero, and now I need to provide a plan. So this seems pretty obvious. Um, this was not eye-opening in any way. The author talks about, um, he says, making a purchase isn't a characteristic of a casual relationship, it's a characteristic of a commitment. When they place an order, they're saying, I believe you can help me solve my problem, and I believe it so much, I'm willing to part with my hard-earned dollars. So he talks about literally making a plan. Minimum three steps, maximum six steps. Um, and, uh, you know, uses that that quote he uses frequently, which is, if you confuse, you lose. So, yeah, so I I made a plan. And the idea is, you know, you make it simple enough that you were trying to alleviate confusion. That's the goal here. So my plan, my four step plan is, one, sign up for the service. Two, add the JavaScript snippet to your website. Three, use the new file in the cloud. Four, access, okay, now that I'm reading it to you, it sounds really bad. (laughs) Hold on. Okay, let me try that again. Sign up for the service, that's the first thing you do. Two, you add the JavaScript snippet to your site. Three, your user adds new files in the cloud, but that's not really something you do, so I'm gonna remove that from my plan.
1: Delete. Um, so, so that for- is part of them getting value out of it.
0: That's true. Your
1: user, your user uploads files, and if you go with a pay-as-you-go model, which you know, I know you may not. If they don't end up using the product, then you don't get paid, which is a nice alignment between you and and the customer.
0: This is interesting. I had not really thought about pay-as-you-go. This is definitely. It's definitely interesting. I'm going to think more about this. But your point's valid. Like, if no one ever uses it, maybe you never have to pay anything. That seems like a win-win, right? Wasn't there a step four? <laughs> yes. Step four was access your files in the cloud. So that's my – my that that's it. That's all. That's my process. Like, that was the whole chapter.
1: Make a plan. <laughs> <laughs> so so last week, thinking more about, about pricing a little bit still, you – were undecided on whether to go with free trial versus free tier and if you were going free tier what that free tier was and I'm curious if you did any more thinking on that. Yeah, so I
0: think because of what I do, I feel like a free trial is not really fair to the customer because you're really I mean, my service is sticky. Um if you use it, it's a pain in the butt for you to migrate off of it because you have to go and you have to download each file and then you're going to have to put the files somewhere else and then you're going to have to change That's your- That's the
1: sign of a really promising business And it's hard <laughs> to leave Very sticky.
0: It. <laughs> you cannot leave. <laughs> um, so I feel like a free trial, like I'd be annoyed with that um, if after 30 days they were like, you have to pay me now because that's a huge pain. Although, now that I'm saying it out loud, what if after 30 days I sent you an email and it was like, here's all the files your users have uploaded. Um, I mean, maybe there's a a, a way to do it without being a jerk, like a gentle way to give them a 30-day free trial and if the users, you know, and then you could be like, hey, you've uploaded 1 gig. Here are all your files. And maybe I, I don't know, maybe I could let them stay at that level, but be like, if you want to continue using the service and upload new, maybe what I could do is I could keep their files so they could still access them. So I'm not totally screwing them over, but then I could say, "Oh, this is interesting. What if I then did, what if you want to continue to use the service? Now you have to pay for it versus just a free tier, which is like, you get five gigs of storage for free. You can have forever and ever. And then when they surpass five gigs of storage...
1: Um, I don't know. That's interesting. So free trials work well when using the product requires legwork from the person who is signing up for it. Um, And, and, and basically you're punting the point of payment until the user has so much sunk cost going into this in terms of their time that they're like, okay, fine, I'll pay you. So like a great example of this is TurboTax where you go through the whole thing of uploading your W-2s and your mortgage and whatever. And then it's like the very, very last step that they're like, oh, by the way, this is going to be $49 and you have to file in three states and that's an extra $19 and you're like, ah, Uh, fine, I just want this to be over with.
0: Yep, that's me, Um, been there, done that,
1: TurboTax. (laughs) So that can be a really effective model where you know it sounds like with your... Plan you just made for the user, it requires four steps for them to go through in order for them to them get value out of it because they're yeah. not going to really sort of see it in action until their user has uploaded something, and then they can see that, and that requires work on their end. Yeah. So I think that could that could be interesting. And 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 when you have talked about Cloudinary and whatnot, you've mentioned how you've only used the free tier for those companies and never paid them and then when they if you have a site where they would actually need to pay somebody you just build it yourself. Yeah. So I wonder if you would sort of um bias towards people who wouldn't have a lot of usage by having the free tier. Bearing in mind that we have a free tier and I'm a huge believer in them, but like anything it it has to make sense based on the context. Right. And I think what you described maybe make sense that a free trial instead. Now, the question is, if you're going to go with a free trial, why a month? Why not five days, 10 days, 45 days? Okay. So to
0: your point, I can, you're right. There is a, it's not a hard setup, but it's not no setup either, right? You're going to have to spend 20 minutes, 10 minutes, depending on if, you know, how good you are, Adding the JavaScript snippet and saving the URL. Generally not hard, but yes, there is buy-in. They have to do something to make this work on their site, so they're not going to see value in it until their users start to upload files. So for them, how long is that going to take? Um, or maybe could you do a free trial up? To, I mean, I guess I can do whatever I want, but I could also do it up to like a certain file
1: limit, right? Like file, like storage. Like you've had 25 users upload files. I don't know. Yeah. I th- I think that would make sense, like, or, you know, a certain storage limit. Um, yeah. You know, I wonder if people would be adding this during the development phase, and so it may actually be six months or something until a site goes live. Ooh. But if yeah. they can do, you know, it's, I mean, well, then we're talking about a free, free trial, t- really. Or not a free sorry, tier. we're talking about a free tier. Yeah. Which is, you know, up to a certain low storage limit. It sounds like the, the Cloudinary limit may be too high, almost. Um, and then they have to switch over, which basically means they can use it for free during the development and, and, and demo period.
0: Yeah. I kind of like that. I like, I like a free tier up to a certain storage amount and I could do it based on the file size you're allowed to upload. So, you know, maybe on your free tier, you can only upload three meg files. Um, I like that because I feel like that gives people enough buy-in to see, you know, and then when they want to add video or when they want to add some kind of ginormous file, they'll be tied into my software and they'll be willing to upgrade it because they'll already like it. Like I go back, making, having this conversation makes me go back to think about why I didn't like the Cloudinary solution. Cause a lot of people recommended it to me and I just found that it was so painful to use. And the widget was so ugly <laughs> that at that time, and this was years ago, we were like, we're just going to build it ourselves. So I feel like it to decrease the barriers to entry, which is what I'm trying to do. Mine is much simpler. Um, And I think it looks nicer. Like maybe that will be be good. Like that will draw people in and then they'll use it and they'll see it's easy to use and then they will continue to use it. And then they'll want to add big files or then they'll have a lot of users that want to use it or something like that.
1: So to recap, we just bounced from whether you would have a free portion at all to having a time limited free trial to having a free tier and then having a free tier with a you know with a storage limit that is not time limited yeah i have this all under control can't you tell (laughs) so i think when you go find people on twitter or reddit or wherever that may be and asking them about what they're using this is a really important thing to ask them like You know, if there was a service that was much prettier and was much easier to use and get started with and you got up to, I don't know, 25 megs of storage um, and then you pay for it after that, like, what do you think about that? Or would you prefer something that is you get up to 25 or let's say you get up to 50 megs of storage, but for one month and then you have to start paying for it after a month and ask them, why do you like that? Why don't you like that? what do you wish it would do instead? Yeah, I think developers are so bad
0: about buying software. I mean, we do, but I this throughout this process, I have run into this over and over and over where I'm like, I could build this thing that makes your life easier. And the developer I'm talking to is like, yeah, but I could build that. And I'm like, yeah, of course you could, but you don't have time, you don't want to. Um, anyway, I, the reason I thought about that is because when I first tried this on Reddit, everyone was like, oh yeah, I just do this ridiculously complicated process to do it myself. Um, so I will look specifically for users, for people who are already using a different service, just, just kind of see where they are.
1: And something we talked about a while ago is people tend to be much stingier with their own money, but that's a good point. The developers can bill the client for this directly rather than it being them having to eat it as overhead as part of the project. I think that would make people much more willing to pay for it.
0: That's a really good point that I have totally forgotten about. But I know with my clients, they would every single time rather pay for a service that's $20 a month and takes me 10 minutes to implement versus paying me five hours or three hours or whatever to do a custom solution that then they have to maintain or I have to maintain. Um, it's still cheaper for them in the long run. And it's easier for them to, if they, if they are on Heroku, it's easier because then they have one bill. So they don't have to pay an AWS bill and a Heroku bill and a whoever else bill.
1: So, so the tricky thing about this then is that you not only need to have a pricing model that is acceptable to the developers who are installing it, but also to their clients, because what you just said was, The client would rather have something that they pay $20 a month for than X, Y, Z. And so then the question also to figure out is, is a client comfortable with knowing that there will be a range of costs, that it will be somewhere between $5 and $25 a month? Or would they prefer knowing that it is always going to be $20 a month and that $20 a limit is, is much higher than they would ever possibly need and they know exactly what that cost is going to be?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. And I don't know the answer to that question, but my intuition is telling me they'd rather have a fixed cost. That has been my experience with clients is they, even if the fixed cost is $20 a month more expensive, they'd rather have the fixed cost.
1: I would verify that against these people you're going to go out and find in the wilds of the internet. Oh, yay. <laughs> but that's a, that's we're thinking through is, okay, you have a free tier, With a certain limit, and then rather than having pay as you go, you have monthly subscription plans on top of that.
0: Yeah, that's what I think. Uh, That that's kind of this conversation is leading me down that path. Um, I like the transparency of that. Uh, I like that you know exactly what you're getting, but I agree that like I need to talk to people. You think only people who are paying for something or everyone who's, I mean, everyone's doing it, but do you think I should focus on people who are currently paying for a solution?
1: Maybe try to find half and half. Okay. And, you know, I say that saying, try to find five people who will talk to you. Um, so you need two and a half people on either <laughs> side. Um. You know, maybe try uh, to find, you know, two or three people who are paying for it and two or three people who aren't paying for it, but who express that this is a pain that they do and they have this wildly complicated process that they do Okay, you experience some amount of pain with it
0: yeah 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 it's just like I was thinking about this as I'm trying to make it available you know as I'm working on it I'm just like oh no one's gonna buy this man. Oh, don't say that. No, you're right. And the thing is people are paying for services like this. And, um, I think it was just like, that's part of this process, right? Like you build something, I'm still excited to use it. And it was kind of cool. Cause like one of my clients, not knowing anything about this podcast or anything about what, that I've built this thing. One of my clients asked me, uh, he was like, wouldn't it be so great if they could just drop their file there? And I was like, yeah, would I can do that for you in 10 minutes. <laughs> it was
1: awesome. <laughs> and that is the hero moment. It really right? was that great. That is the, the product making you, the developer, the hero. That is the moment you want to get all of your customers to.
0: And that, like, that's literally why I built it because I was like, yes, people ask me this all the time and I'm always like, oh, it's going to take a couple hours and this drop zone code isn't compatible with this drop zone code and I got to set you up on AWS and it's a whole freaking thing. So that was like a really happy moment for me when he said that because I was like, yeah, like it's going to take me 10 minutes. Sweet. That's amazing. Yeah, it was cool. And that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Software Social. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can reach us on Twitter at Software Social Pod. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains who has a nice personality. Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Bright Bits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from The Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from Userlist. Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Century, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of Subscribe Sense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, Mega Maker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nucy Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend. Matthew of Work Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Conbini, Arvid Kahl, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.